This is the Adams Road program. Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.13, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Today's reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and of death, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the ordinance of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is hostile toward God, for it is not subject to God's law, neither indeed can it be. Those who are in the flesh can't please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if it is so that the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, than heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed toward us. For the creation waits with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to vanity, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of decay into the liberty of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for that which he sees? But if we hope for that which we don't see, we wait for it with patience. 
In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He who searches the hearts knows what is on the Spirit's mind, because he makes intercession for the saints according to God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, whom he predestined, those he also called, whom he called, those he also justified, whom he justified, those he also glorified. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how would he not also with him freely give us all things? Who could bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Yes, rather, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Could oppression or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Even as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from God's love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Stone 
That was God is Love from the Adams Road album, It's So Simple. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a relief. Wretched man that I am, is there any hope for me? But we can be reminded that in Christ there is no condemnation. In John 5:24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. By believing the good news of Jesus that he died for our sins, was buried, and was raised on the third day, we pass from death into life, and we're no longer under judgment and condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now Paul, when he uses the word law in this instance, Think of the word principle or the word power. The law of gravity is a principle. The law of the spirit of life, the principle of the spirit of life, the power of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death or the power of sin and death or the principle of sin and death. Paul explains in verse three that God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Jesus came to earth in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he was without sin and he condemned sin in the flesh by living a perfect life on our behalf. And now that righteous requirement of the law that was fulfilled by Christ is in us. Notice it doesn't say in verse four that the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled by us, but it says it's fulfilled in us. 
That's because Christ is now in us through his spirit who indwells us. We've inherited a sin nature from Adam, but through faith in the gospel and regeneration of the Holy Spirit, we are made new creatures in Christ. So we've been born again in spirit. So we have a new nature in us. Does that mean that we always live in the spirit and not walk in the flesh? No, because we're still dealing with the enmity of our flesh, of our fallen nature. But the idea here is that God's empowered us with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in this new life. There's no way we can live in the Spirit or walk in the Spirit if God's Spirit is not in us. And the fact that the Spirit of God dwells in us is evidence that we are Christ's. So when Paul is talking about the law of the Spirit of life, what exactly is he talking about? Here's an interesting promise God makes in Jeremiah regarding the new covenant that would come. And this is reiterated in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 when it says, The Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their heart and I will also write them on their minds. Then he has said, I will remember their sins and their iniquities no more. The new covenant is that God's law is now written on our hearts. The Mosaic law was written on stone and it was specific and it was relevant for Moses' day. And when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to the top and God wrote with his finger on the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, Moses hadn't even made it back down to the camp and the people were already breaking the first and second commandment. They had forsaken the Lord their God and were worshiping a false idol. And he breaks the stone tablets in anger, also signifying that they had broken the law before they had even seen the law. Now as a born-again believer, we have the law of the spirit of life. His spirit is in us. So a lot of times when we get into certain situations, maybe there's not a specific quote-unquote law in God's word about it. Like, should I be watching R-rated movies or smoking marijuana? Is that good? Is that okay? Well, you know what? We have something better than a law written on tablets or stones. We have the Holy Spirit in us and the law of the spirit of life. If you're in Christ, are you being led by the spirit? We know times in our lives as Christians, right, where we experience that conviction or that moving of God in us that's going to lead us towards something or away from something else. Don't click on that link or go talk to that man on the street. So we listen and we obey, of course, as it falls in line with God's word. Maybe we're in a conversation with someone and it starts out really nice, but suddenly it starts deteriorating really quickly into gossip. We experience maybe the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's saying, let's move on. Let's not wallow in this. Or you're watching something on TV. The Holy Spirit's just kind of telling you, what are you doing wasting your time on this junk? There's no law and written stone that's going to cover every single scenario in your life, every day, every moment, but the Spirit can. In Galatians 5.18 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Having the law written on our hearts by the Spirit, this lawgiver living in our hearts is a dynamic reality, day by day, minute by minute, and it's so much better and so much superior to the old written law in stone. Paul says in Romans 8.14, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. We've been adopted as children, and we can seriously cry out, Abba or Daddy, Father. And as children of God, Paul's going to teach here in Romans 8 that we're also heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. But one of the things that comes along with this package of being part of God's family is suffering with Christ. 
and that's going to precede our glorification. So this life includes suffering. Who knew that's what we were signing up for as Christians, right? But it's a good thing. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I remember when my wife and I first came into Christ, we were converted and became born-again believers around the same time back in 2006. Very, very shortly, within weeks of us coming into Christ, my wife ends up in the hospital with blood clots and nearly dies, has them in her lungs and all over her body and her left leg, and it was life-threatening. And it was just interesting because coming into Christ, you think, oh, the clouds part, life's gonna be easy but it almost seemed like things got really difficult really quickly. And yet looking back, God brought us through that hard season and it ended up being such a blessing in our lives. So that theme of suffering is something that we find in scripture all over the place. And Paul's gonna continue that theme in Romans 8 as he's writing to believers who have been through who knows what kind of persecution under Nero, the emperor of Rome. So Paul's gonna give some encouragement. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who is to condemn? So the idea here is that God gave his one and only son for us, and in Christ we have an eternal inheritance. All that is Christ's, all that is God's is ours in Christ. And so since that's the case, what's going to separate us from God's love? He's saying nothing can separate us from that love and the sufferings that we're enduring in this life, they're not going to cut us or separate us from God's love. In fact, think about these believers and Romans under the persecution of Nero. Paul says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he goes on to say, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're listening to this content today through the radio broadcast, we just want to let you know that this content is also released as a podcast on a weekly basis. You can find it by searching Adams Road Podcast. Micah Wilder, a member of our ministry, recently wrote a book called Passport to Heaven. When Mormon missionary Micah Wilder set his sights on bringing a Baptist pastor and his congregation into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he couldn't have imagined that the entire trajectory of his life was about to be changed forever. Micah's passionate effort to convert these Christians was met by a surprising challenge. To read the Bible through the eyes of a child, letting the Word speak for itself. He learned of a God whose love did not have to be earned, and he wrestled with the radical idea of God's mercy for the remaining 18 months of his mission. As he struggled to reconcile the teachings of his church with the truths revealed in the Bible, he encountered the true character of Jesus for the first time. 
and awakened to his need for his grace. Passport to Heaven is a gripping account of Micah's journey from living as a devoted member of a religion based on human works to embracing the divine mercy and freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. As I lay there contemplating the vastness of the love that had been so extraordinarily conveyed to me, the magnitude of Christ's atonement exploded in my heart like a supernova, radiating far beyond my mortal vessel and bringing with it the desire to fall to my knees. The Holy Spirit then began painting a picture of perfect love before me in mere seconds that I had waited a lifetime to understand. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, after having been betrayed and falsely condemned, was dragged into the streets of Jerusalem, where he was brutally beaten, fiercely scourged, spat upon, and publicly scorned. The blameless and spotless Lamb of God cried in agony as a vicious crown of thorns was thrust onto his head, and the Roman soldiers mocked him, saying, Behold, the King of the Jews. And yet Jesus was the King of all kings and now sits triumphantly at the right hand of God. Through him, the vast universe and all its glory was created, and yet he was led to Calvary, where he was crucified on a tree formed by his own hands, nailed to it by the very people he came to redeem. And there, on Golgotha's rocky hill, the very Word of God made flesh, endured with incomparable humility the most excruciating and harrowing death the world has ever seen. God's immeasurable love for all mankind was on full, heartbreaking display as Jesus bore in his stricken body the sins, iniquities, and infirmities of the world. Bleeding the precious blood of eternal atonement on the cross, the Messiah paid, in full measure, the debt that we owed God because of our transgressions. But this priceless offering wasn't just a collective sacrifice, it was personal. It was intimate. It was for me. The Savior of the world drank the cup of wrath that I deserved and freely poured out his soul to death for me. As my kingly substitute, he willingly took my place on the cross of Calvary and died on my behalf, a guilty sinner, all the while looking into my eyes and proclaiming his ineffable love for me. Jesus endured a transcendent passion that was driven by an infinite and intimate love that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. He suffered and died because he loved, and for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. My salvation was that joy. How could anyone love me so much? It was only in this metamorphic flash of grace that it was impressed on me with such an unparalleled intensity just how deep and wide and magnificent that love really was. A love that drove Christ to endure the unthinkable and while suffering unspeakable pain, see my very face. This was a profound love that encompassed the very essence and nature of God himself. This was the sacrificial agape love I had long been waiting for, the only love that could eternally satisfy. Truly, there is no greater expression of love. Passport to Heaven can be found wherever books are sold. This is the Adams Road program. 
Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Check out the Adams Road website at adamsroadministry.com. There you can download our songs for free, as well as our spoken word and instrumental music content. In addition, we share testimonies about the love of Jesus Christ and how He's transformed our lives. Please contact us through our website if you're interested in scheduling our Adams Road team for a time of song and testimony, or if you're interested in scheduling our pianist for a time of spoken word, piano music, and testimony. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all.